Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Charlotte. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harris. I'm Adam Pranica. It's been a long time, Adam, since we opened packages of cards on the show. Oh, yeah. It's Did a, they make Voyager cards specifically? You know what? You just You just did it, man. You just asked if they make Voyager cards, and now... Bill Tilly is going to be inundated with <laughs> Voyager cards. I feel like the shitty thing about this is that it probably, since we last played Card War on the show, the collectible trading card market has exploded, and I bet they cost a fortune now. They do. I'm looking at the Star Trek collectible card game Voyager Booster Box. It's 100 bucks. Uh-huh. God damn. 100 bucks. What about the quotable Star Trek Voyager trading cards? Oh, boy. There are a lot of booster boxes that we don't have. There's a Borg's booster box. Wow. There is what looks like just a, a TNG booster box I'm looking at, which hmm. I, I know we don't have. There's a Trouble with Tribbles booster box. I feel like there was some... Like, the rules felt a little different with TNG opening up cards because we both just knew the yeah. series... Back to front. Yeah. And, and we were making safe decisions about who was winning every time. And I've seen all of Voyager, but I don't think you have. And it's been a long time since I've seen all of Voyager. No. So, like, opening up a card that ruins something would be a real drag. That's true. It's smart that we're, we're opening cards in the back catalog of the shows we've seen. <laughs> ben, one thing that I encountered when I was looking for my collectible cards was my stack of Jaegers. You actually may be the the person that start I mean it's like it's now like basketball cards and other all different other kinds of cards are are part of this, but mm-hmm. you may have started the inflation in the trading card industry. You fucking people on Twitter are like, I don't think the Jaeger bubble's a thing anymore and then they send me a link to eBay for like a Jaeger that's listed at ten dollars or something. But uh-huh. let me tell you, random tweeter, you check back in on that Jaeger, it's selling for sixty nine sixty nine, baby. Nice. And that's what I saw at the last Jaeger I, I looked at go for. The Jaeger bubble still exists. I mean, I would like to see them going a little higher, maybe $420.69, personally. Can I tell you, like, I was camped out on that card specifically. I was like, well, I haven't bought a Jaeger in a long time. I could add to my giant collection. And as soon as it got to $69.69, I didn't have the heart to bid it up. I wanted it to go for that. That's noble of you. Yeah, and it did. (laughs) And it did. We were giving them away for a long time. One at every live show is how we did it. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. But uh, but you still have quite a horde. We haven't done that many live shows. No. Yeah, I've got... I always measure from the base. I've got about an, an inch and a half of Jaegers here. Wow. That's a, that's a prodigious stack there, buddy. Hey. Should be proud of that. Um, well, what I have here are uh, Mirror Mirror expansion packs for Star Trek, the customizable card game. What do you got? pack wise i decided to mix it up so uh i had wondered if we were going to do best out of three or best out of five so what i pulled was five packs just in case okay two rules of acquisition packs two mirror mirror packs Mm 
and the oh. wild card the deep space nine memories from the future sticky pack you know you know the cards the ones that are stuck oh, yeah. together for some reason <laughs> and could potentially have an autograph card inside oh i'm still baby. looking for an autograph yeah, I don't, I don't think we've found one of those yet. I should. Um, I mean, I should really switch to all DS9 cards because I really want to get that autograph. But I would say focus on the DS9 cards. Do you want to go to war, my friend? I do. We're at war. There's been no formal declaration of war. Maybe this trip you bring us some luck. That nonsense is centuries behind us. War! Go to war! Hey, I'm opening. Packages. What do you say? Should we get this going? Oh, they're so stuck together. <laughs> Are you gonna do that thing where you like flex the cards a little bit to like? I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the way we do the card game is we just flip over single cards, right? Like we don't go through yeah. the whole pack. Three, two, one. Oh boy, I'm starting pretty strong here, buddy. Oh no. I have a. Enhanced attack ship. It's a Jem'Hadar Tick, constructed in the Alpha Quadrant, one of the first Dominion fighter craft upgraded with Breen energy dampening technology in 2375. It's those ones that don't uh, that that don't uh, react to phaser fire and whatnot. I love the Breen. We need more <laughs> Breen. Never turn your back on a Breen. A thought hit me the other day that it might be fun in Discovery now that they're in the deep future to have some Breen characters and like like yeah. some of the the veil of secrecy has fallen away from the Breen. The the Breen diaspora out in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> oh yeah. Help us learn. You well, think there's Breens in the D Quad? I don't know. I mean, anything could be in the D Quad. I think that's the fun of Voyager, right? That's true. What do you got there? Ben, I've got, uh, as one of Deep Space Nine's greatest moments, Odo the Killer. This is a picture of Odo and who looks like Change Leader. Uh, oh, yeah. Change Leader's having a very bad day. This, this is card. that guy that snuck onto uh, the, the, the little D and he had to kill him, right? And he's like the only, oh, he's the only Changeling that's ever killed another Changeling. Oh, wait. Yeah, I confused this with Change Leader. This isn't well, Change Leader at all. You could be forgiven. The guy is very flaky in that shot. It's hard to tell them apart when they look that sick. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the episode is called The Adversary. Mm. And you're right. Odo has to kill a guy. One of his own. It's a big yeah. bummer. I don't it's know, man. Drag. I think if we've got to decide who wins this card war game. <laughs> I have a murderer on my card. Yeah. But I have a ship that does murders on, on mine. mine. Mine can do murder at scale. <laughs> and yours, like, has regrets. Mine has no regrets. Yeah, that's true. Yours is more cold-blooded, so I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the W to you. Ugh, yes! This feels great. All right, ready for round two? Hit me. Three, two, one. Ben, I have got uh, another Odo-specific card. If I keep oh, wow. I, if, if I keep drawing Odos, I'm just going to lose. <laughs> this one's called Shifting Back. I'll show you and the viewers what this card looks like. You may remember this is this is the one where where Odo's got the test tube friend, the test oh, tube yeah. founder. That's his little buddy. Yeah, the episode's called The Begotten. Yeah. You remember this one, right? He, uh, is that the one where it goes into him and gives him back his shape-shifting powers? This is the one where we met Dr. Mora. 
Oh. You remember Dr. Mora? Dr. Yeah. Mora can really do some damage, I think. I wonder if Dr. Mora is stronger than your card, Ben. What do you have over mm. there? Well, my card is T-Lock. He's a Klingon security guy, served for years as a bodyguard in the House of Duras, took a position aboard Terraknor to escape the unpredictable demands of Lursa and Bator. He's got uh, an integrity of four, a cunning of six, and a strength of nine. You need to have a pretty high stamina to work with Lursa and Bator, I bet. Yeah. And you also have to be, like, r- really disciplined in terms of your, like, eye lines. Because yeah. there's a lot of boob windows you might catch yourself, you know, just kind of absentmindedly staring at. Uh-huh. <laughs> God, Duras was a dope. Is there any wonder that Gowron got the upper hand on him? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think you win with your uh, with your guy there. With my test tube Odo. All right. Yeah. T-Lock is like a, is a total fucking chump. Yeah. From what I can tell. I, I got to say, like, any anyone from House Duras, going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not even in the family. He's just, He, like, works as a bodyguard for the family. Give me a break. Yeah, that's lame as hell. All right. Three, two, one. Ben, I've got a, a picture of a corpse on my card. Mm. It's Death of Tain. <laughs> Inabrintain? You know Inabrintain. And you know the episode in Purgatory's Shadow, wow. where he dies. Hmm. He told Garrick that he was proud of him. Yeah. In one of his last moments. And you're like, so wait, is he Garrick's dad? I can't quite remember. I feel like we went back and forth on this a lot. Tain was a hard man. Man, I think you may have me beat, because I just have Alliance Nor. Hmm. Or mining and processing station representative of facilities used by the Klingon slash Cardassian Alliance. It's like, it's not Terraknor, it's not Impaknor, it is a generic space station of that design. It's generic Nor. Weak. Very weak. Ben, I've really come from behind here. It's two cards yeah. to one. I guess we are playing the best out of five. Yeah, I think we got to. Got to do it. This is make or break for me. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Fuck. <laughs> I have multi-dimensional transport device. Oh! Modifies transporter function to allow beaming to an alternate universe developed in the mirror universe used by Smiley, Professor Sisko, the Intendant, and others to cross over. And uh, you you remember this dumb, you know, <laughs> it's like a... Oh, it's yeah. like a soup thermos with some pipes glued to the outside of it. Pretty weak, Ben. But I don't know if it's as weak as Prisoner O'Brien from Hard Time, <laughs> who has been weakened from his decades in prison. Oh, wow. I don't know if Prisoner O'Bi- O'Brien can beat anyone. Because, I mean, as much as we love the character for his experience there, let's just, mm-hmm. like, spitball what his attributes would be. Zeros across the board. Yeah, drawing diagrams with his finger in the dust. Yeah, uh, hunger ten, uh, strength <laughs> zero, uh, diagrams sanity five. zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you have wow. me beat there. You have to have me beat. Uh, Prisoner O'Brien's not beating anyone. If you had a key to jump from universe to universe, I suppose you would be pretty powerful relative to. A guy wearing rags sitting cross-legged on the floor. That's what I'm saying. 
sad that he killed his one and only friend. Yeah. Who may or may not have been real. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that was an imaginary friend, and we know how difficult they are to kill. You should be destroyed. You are cruel, uncaring creatures. Some of the most difficult Star Trek villains of all. The imaginary friend kind. Are you saying we're locked up going into the fifth flip? Yeah, I've got us at two all. Is is that the score? I... I mean, I, f- I feel like you're being generous with me, but I'll I'll take it. I could use it. All right, the fifth and, and final tie-breaking card is now. <laughs> I have a uh, Romulan security officer named Tagus. This guy may be as forgettable as T-Lock, oh, the, no. the Klingon security guy. Uh, assigned bodyguard duties in the capital city on Romulus... He has integrity of five, cunning of seven, and strength of eight. Those are stronger numerical attributes than I would have expected. Yeah, he, I, he is like numerically a little bit better than, than T-Lock, but not by much, buddy. You know what? Everyone gets a trophy in the collectible card game, huh? Ben, I don't know if I have you beat here What I have is a Greatest Legends card This looks like a special card Wow, I like the uh, construction of the name Yeah, uh, it is for Jadzia Dax and Esri Dax There's a a fair bit of foil on this card But but let me tell you something On the front of the card Like this card is for Jadzia and Esri Front of the card Cisco and Jadzia Dax Weird. Look at what they do to Esri. In she's the, just in a. She's in black and white on the back with like a bunch of like static and shit over her face. What the hell? I don't like what this card does to Esri. I don't think it's cool at all. Yeah. It may be a special card, but this is not. This is not special to me. Hmm. God, I don't know, Ben. Do you want to call it a uh, a redo and uh, and flip another pair of cards over f- so we have something definitive? All right. This got to be definitive. It's so important to be definitive. Three, two, one. Okay. I have an interrupt card here. It says, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Despite his protestations to Captain Kirk, Dr. McCoy treated a grievously wounded Horta. Thermal concrete from the supplies of the Starship Enterprise made an excellent wound covering. Sounds pretty great, but is it as powerful as the moment you've confessed your love? To uh, to a person that you've had a crush on forever, Ben. My card is Odo's confession. Whoa! You'll remember is it his the confession episode, to uh, Kira in the Rock. You'll remember Heart of Stone. That was uh, that wasn't, but that wasn't really Kira. That was Change Leader. Odo's like, welcome to the Rock. <laughs> I used to be a prisoner here. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was the clear winner until you started poking holes in the idea of this not being real Kira. But it I'm, wasn't real Kira, but, but it was you'll, also you'll it was remember, a brave act of vulnerability on Odo's part to make the tearful confession of love. How much bravery is on your card? Very little. Bones, not a brave man. I think we have our winner, folks. Wow. I'm ready to call it. Well, congratulations, Adam. Three Odos to two. <laughs> we focused at the beginning of our show here on war. But maybe we should focus on forging a path to peace, Adam. Should we get into the episode we came to talk about today? Nicely pivoted, Ben. Let's get out of all of this fighting and into some peace. 
with Voyager Season 2, Episode 14, Alliances. Reaper course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. We're getting sucker punched by the Kazon at the beginning of this episode. All episodes should start like this. <laughs> Just the Voyager taking bangers from Kazon ships, and we know it's bad. Because it's the return of Big Earn from Kingpin Hair. Big Earn. Long time. For Captain Janeway. She's really getting rocked personally. They take out one of the Kazon ships, I think, but the ship is really fucked up. By the time the Kazon bug out, Voyager has no engines, no nothing. It's still an emergency after the battle is over. And uh, that's because the ship is basically unable to defend itself or move. Ben, I feel like I learn a new word from you every episode. I think many friends of DeSoto can can say the same. You're a man of many words, many $10 <laughs> words even. I've got to tell you, this episode made me feel foolish right up top. Because really? there was a line of dialogue here. So what's today's thing BLT's in engineering, and she's like, But I've got a lot of casualties down here. I've got a 10-2 first. And I'm like, oh my God, there's like 150 people on this ship. This is bad. And then Chakotay yeah. on the bridge. Casualties, casualties on, on all decks. decks. No fatalities so far. What? Right. And I actually paused the episode, and I was like, I, I played it back with the subtitles. I was like, did they say that right? I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, casualties and fatalities are the same, right? Wrong. They aren't the same. I looked up those two words and you can be a casualty without dying. It just means you can't perform the duties of your job. Today's secret word is casualties. You all remember what to do whenever anyone says a secret word, right? Scream! Right! Yeah. So it's like an umbrella catch-all for dead or too injured to keep helping. I feel like that is very confusing in a shipwide emergency context. I guess it provides you context for how many working bodies you've got. Yeah. To throw at a problem. You like, know what? Maybe it is better to have it to have that distinguished that way. But anyway, I had never heard those two words in that proximity in that context before. If I got nothing else from this episode, and. I, I really didn't learn much from this episode at all. <laughs> that is what I will take away from it. Speaking of casualties. <laughs> there's a guy that is really badly injured on the floor in engineering. They say his, his console blew up right in his face. Chipman, you're a tiger. Got a face full of computer. They want to beam him straight to six bay, but they don't have transporters, right? BLT comes so close to just gathering him up in her arms and taking him straight to the bridge. She's like, no, I, yeah. I can't do that. That's like, this isn't my nephew. This is just some guy. <laughs> he I'm, honestly doesn't look that- I'm not here to that... prove some sort of weird point to my captain. I actually, <laughs> I actually need this guy. We can't replace him. <laughs> I thought it was uh, interesting because, I mean, we're referencing uh, Scotty's nephew in Wrath of Khan. Yeah. This guy stayed at his panels when the others <laughs> fled. <laughs> but that guy was, like, mutilated. Like, his yeah. face was a pile of hamburger meat. And 
Kurt, the too badly injured guy on Voyager, has like a little bit of charcoal rubbed into his face. He, he seemed, does not look that injured. He's a Jared Nagzima away from going to the school dance, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he dies on the slab in Six Bay, and it's one of those like it never gets any easier scenes. Bolana is very upset because this is a dude that saved her life one time. And this is pretty upsetting. And Chakotay is like reporting into the captain. Like basically anything important on the ship is broken. And now they've lost one of their crewmates. And this was one of the Maquis crewmates. They're down and- a crew person and down a torpedo. And that's one of the hardest parts of this whole thing to swallow, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The captain's really broken up about that torpedo. <laughs> <laughs> but Chicote starts to advocate for going full Maquis in this scene. And if you want to keep doing it the Maquis way, that's fine with me. I like it a lot. On TNG, we used to get a lot of permission to speak freely, go mm-hmm. ahead kind of conversations. But I feel like Chicote and Janeway have the relationship to skip past that piece of dialogue every time. Yeah. It was always very pro forma when it was Riker and Picard. Yeah. Or whatever. But yeah, Chicote definitely, especially when they are in private, feels empowered to just speak freely <laughs> whenever he wants. I like this. And Chicote really stands up for his reasoning here. His reasons are they've been getting their asses handed to them so often that maybe it's time to form God, what's the word? Oh, it's the title of the episode. Form an alliance, maybe. Yeah. With one of these factions that are kicking their ass all the time. And then he doesn't stick around for her response. It's like an in-person hang-up on her. Yeah, it's like, think about it. And then he like storms out. (laughs) I love that. Her reaction to this is extremely negative, extremely fast. And I I felt like maybe one thing I would do if I had the power to rewrite this episode a little bit is explain why she is so against that earlier in the episode. Because I feel like it is a later McLaughlin group when she really articulates what her beef is. Right. It doesn't make her look good in this moment. She's like, make peace with the people that we hate. Fuck that. And that feels very un-Starfleet without some like contextual information. Yeah, you're right. And it does get fixed later with that later context. But in the moment here, not a great look. No. Not a great look to theme. (laughs) after the break we learn that funerals are held in the mess hall yeah which has got to be a super fucking bummer if you're on shift and it's break time and it's time to to go get a little bit of chow Mm -hmm. i i really enjoyed crewman kurt bandera's uh recorded hollow message to all 150 members of the voyager crew though all the things he'd learned from them all of the like reductive observations about their characters yeah Tuvok, so logical, yet so fearsome. Balana cannot govern her temper, but is a brilliant engineer. And you, the panel that ended up taking my life. <laughs> Fuck you, panel. <laughs> I'll see you in hell. <laughs> the purpose of this gathering confuses me. Chicote putting together a nice little streak of good episodes here. This is a damn fine eulogy that Chicote gives. And Ben, I want to be clear with you. It's actually exactly the story that I want you to say about me if I were to die before you verbatim. Just print this out. This is what I want you to say. Replace Bandera with me. And then that's uh-huh. it. 
A lot of us can say we're alive today because of Adam Pranica. There's never a better man to have at your side. Never anyone more willing to take on the tough jobs. My family and friends won't get it, but the FODs will really appreciate it. I'm pretty sure you'll die before I do, so. Yeah, no question. <laughs> I am much, much older than you. <laughs> you are, but you also take better care of yourself than I do. I'm j I think it's just going to be like a freak accident or something. I'm just a widow maker away from, uh, <laughs> from ending the show prematurely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Then I'd have to find, I'd have to cast a replacement. Could you imagine hiring a producer and a co host? God, that's rough. <laughs> that is a lot of rough. resumes to go through. Yeah. I mean, you thought we got a lot of resumes when we made a call for people to apply to, to be producers on the show. Yeah. I did. You would not believe how many people. <laughs> you know what would be hilarious is if compared to the number of resumes we got for producer, you got like two for co-host. <laughs> no one wants to co-host. Not yeah. after what happened to Adam. Yeah, yeah. They saw what the show did to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the service, a couple of Maquis confront Janeway, like in that way, what are you going to do about this? Captain, mm -hmm. Bandera was our bud, and it kind of feels like he died for nothing, and maybe you killed him? Like, it gets really hostile really fast, to the extent that the Maquis behind this other Maquis that's yelling at Janeway is kind of holding him back. Yeah. But there's a suggestion that there might be something more here between these two Maquis. Did you get this vibe? Like, we've seen people hold other people back in a fight. At least I have. Right. But- I rarely see uh, rubbing of the shoulder with the thumb <laughs> by the guy. Yeah, I, I thought maybe these guys might have been in a relationship. I don't dislike your read. I mean, the guy that puts the hand on the shoulder becomes kind of more interesting later in the episode. Yeah. But all we have to go on here now is that it almost seems like he's trying to convince Hogan not to strike the captain. Yeah. <laughs> like... Hogan, uh, real real cranky that they haven't made an arrangement, an alliance, if you will, with the Kazon yet. Janeway, after having just seen Star Trek First Contact recently, is all about blowing up the ship as a first course of action <laughs> <laughs> rather than doing anything else in any conflict. And, Picard uh, really was really up his own ass trying to not blow up the damn ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She takes great umbrage with Hogan's suggestion of this, of, of trading yeah. tech for peace. No way. I'll destroy this ship before I turn any part of it over to the Kazon. Like, I guess this starts to shed light on what her logic is. Like, the assumption being that an alliance with the Kazon would necessarily cost equipment. Yeah. Would cost technology. Yeah. But yeah, she, she she shuts these guys down and uh, and walks out and kind of snipes at Chakotay on her way out. You want to run this ship like a Maquis ship? That's what it's going to look like, buddy. They've come to Kazagar heads a couple of times already, <laughs> and no one has won the argument yet. And I like that, because sometimes you get Star Trek conflicts that are like tied up neatly after the very first time you disagree. And I like that this one is sort of a protracted... Yeah. Scene of disagreement and then a different scene and then a different scene. And then we're back to this disagreement being uh, re-adjudicated. Like, I like this. I do too. And I like that part of the conflict is that the lower rank Maquis are just like stuck on this ship and didn't agree to anything. Yeah. 
And so fighting and possibly dying for the mission that the captain sets out is a tougher pill for them to swallow than the captain assumes it should be. It sucks. It really sucks for them. You may be willing to die for Federation principles, but they're not. So Janeway visits Tuvok's quarters after this, and she tells Tuvok this crazy thing that Chakotay has suggested. And uh, Tuvok puts in a VHS tape of Star Trek VI (laughs) to prove his point. He's like, I was around back in this in this era, and I, I'm one of the people that thought that the Klingons were going to become the alien trash of the galaxy. Yeah. I flip-flopped on the alien trash of the galaxy issue. Yeah. The bumper sticker on his shuttle was, uh, was I voted for Cartwright. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting moment because he's basically saying, like, this is a belief I had. And I didn't think that the Klingons could be reasoned with. I I didn't think that they were an adversary that Mm -hmm. we could form a quote-unquote alliance with. But uh, Kittimer proved everything I thought was wrong. I mean, this this scene actually made me think of the Kazon in a new way, which is that the Romulans are the chess-playing species and the Vulcans are the logic species and the Klingons are the warrior species. Maybe the Kazon are the opportunistic species. Well, I will absolutely agree with you that this episode changed my feelings about the Kazon, but it doesn't happen right now. I'll tell you that much. Happens a little later (laughs) for me. At the end of this scene, though, Tuvok does tell Captain Janeway that maybe our situation is more like this flower. See how I have grafted this sharp, craggy pine cone Onto this smooth, sweet honeydew. This could be us, but you're playing. (laughs) At first, I grafted these two plants together and they were sickly. And it was a real Bay Got Me-like situation. (laughs) And now... (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to a McLaughlin group. Issue two. Big announcement. We're now pro-alliance. We're going to take a run at abandoning our principles. I love this scene. Neelix knows a guy who might be able to make a good sounding board. Neelix is like, look, Cap, I'm not going to be closed-minded about this, but you might want to do a little bit of focus grouping. (laughs) W slash R slash G alliance. And I know a planet full of people like that basically live behind a uh, two-way mirror. We can get them in there, (laughs) give them some snacks, maybe a gift certificate to a, a market nearby in exchange for uh, their opinions. One of those knobs where you turn it to the left and right to show whether you like or don't like something. Yeah. This contact he's got is on the chickpea mining planet of Sobra. And before (laughs) Janeway is able to fully grasp this idea, Kim like comes out of his seat and starts talking shit about this idea, joking that Seska would make a better ally than the Kazon. They're like, hey, not a terrible idea, Kim. <laughs> BLT is like, yes! <laughs> Which is a comment that swings the ball-kicking machine so hard at Chicote, it basically dislocates his balls on the spot. Chicote is like, please don't. <laughs> is there anything I can say to convince you to leave Seska out of this? Yeah. 
and they're like, you know, she she does still have her Starfleet uh, health insurance, so she is due to see the doctor for a prenatal yeah. checkup pretty soon. Oh and he's like, come God. on, really? <laughs> Poor Chakotay's like, all right, well, if it is to contact Seska, it's up to me. And Janeway's like, fuck that. <laughs> I think you're a little <laughs> too close after the beating you took over there uh, in more ways than one. And so yeah. Janeway has decided to contact her herself. So they're going to cultivate multiple potential allies within the various warring sects of the Kazon. Makes sense. And, uh, they're going to split up, and uh, Neelix is off to this planet. Meanwhile, Janeway is getting on the FaceTime with Seska and her boyfriend, Kulla, who doesn't understand that Seska's in charge. <laughs> I love how distracting Seska is just generally because of what she did. And I yeah. think I think there's an instrumentality to how these scenes are in sequence. Because the moment I was like, they didn't just give Neelix a shuttle to drive by himself, right? Where the jangly <laughs> keys of Seska appear on the screen and I'm like, oh, Seska. Like I stopped thinking of Neelix alone on a shuttle altogether. Well, crucially, Neelix still has his own ship, and I like we never see it, but but he didn't take it, his own ship, did he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought because, he took a shuttle. Oh, I thought when they went and looked for him, they were like, we don't see any signs of his ship in the in the. You know, that makes perfect sense then as to why it wasn't a bigger deal. <laughs> yeah, is this the end of Neelix's shuttle? Do they lose it in this episode? God, maybe. Well, anyways, Kala and uh, Seska agree to meet. They want to determine the location of the meeting. So that's where Voyager is off to. Meanwhile, we go to uh, this planet that Neelix is visiting, and we go to, like, Kazon Bada Bing, mm -hmm. where uh, Neelix meets, like, the dorkiest guy in the strip club. There's a planet where instead of people, they got bears. Yeah, but our planet's got bears. Yeah, but on this planet... The bears are the people. The guy that is doing a puzzle in a strip club. Keep dancing. Why are you stopping dancing? This is worse than buy me a drink. The, the stripper <laughs> is like, uh, do this sex puzzle. <laughs> it's like not even, it's a math problem or something. Hey, also, Jaldursa, uh, the action's behind you. Maybe do the puzzle while you still have a view of the stage. Weirdo. Yeah. The dancer is really upstaging him and he just wants to be facing the camera, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So Neelix doesn't get very far with Jaltursa before two Kazon thugs kind of drag Neelix away. Yeah, these guys kind of read as cops to me, yeah. which I didn't realize the Kazon were like organized enough to have like uniformed police officers, but these guys kind of felt that way. Yeah. Neelix is in big trouble, but we don't get to find out what for because uh, we are in... Another McLaughlin group. Issue three. On the Voyager where Kulla and Seska are now meeting with Janeway and Tuvok. Well, I've got to get that platinum, get that low metal <laughs> You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic. 
that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that Latin Are you planning a heist? This is one of those fun negotiations that gets out of control really fast, right? Because Kala hears Janeway out and the proposal is for help. Help of the kind that goes like, look, if there's a a Kazon Nistrum ship in distress or or under attack or whatever, we'll totally pull off and help. Like, we'll we'll be diplomatically cool, but we're not going to give you any tech. And yeah. and Kulla's counterproposal is, how about, like, we exchange a bunch of crew then? <laughs> and Seska is like, you're not supposed to say that right now. That was supposed to be, like, other stuff we, we include later. Yeah, yeah. 
and Kala gets super awful about Seska again. And this is like a, this is a character thing with him. He cannot deal with Seska. It's not just that Seska's got ideas. It's that Seska's a lady. Yeah. He then like stops even dealing with the captain. He like, yeah. he, he starts treating Tuvok like the buck stops with, stops with him. Tuvok uh, does not let this fly. Yeah. Negotiations completely fall apart, and they show Kulla and Seska the door. Yeah. And we catch up with Neelix, who is being brought to the Star Trek caves, which are now a maximum security prison. There is no stockade, no guard tower, no electronic frontier. It's amazing how much better the Star Trek caves look with a little bit of root material. Yeah. Nice job. I mean, I think they can't they can't do the root material every single time because it's got to be like they got to make us believe that these are different caves. Right. Right, roots are more of a special event. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, they push them into one of the chambers in these caves and it's full of refugees and these are the Trabe and Neelix meets Mabus who is their leader. <laughs> I it was really weird watching this because Neelix has this like gash on his forehead and I like I watched this this morning after being like super worried last night because my mom was in the emergency room she like oh shit she like fell over on a super uneven piece of pavement and hit her head on the on the sidewalk oh god he has like this same cut that my mom had yesterday yikes it's very weird mom's she's up, fine by mom's the way up, yeah. You gotta, you gotta tell us the end part. Yeah, she had the she had a cat scan, clean bill of health. It was just a scare, but um. God, we really are at the age where our parents just start fucking falling down. Jesus. <laughs> My dad said that she had a book about how to not fall over so much, because uh, he like called me to tell me she was in the hospital, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And he was like, "Yeah, and it's weird because she has this book about not falling over so much." I guess she hasn't gotten to the chapter about not falling over so much. <laughs> Is that seriously what he said? Yeah. Your dad's fucking hilarious. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Neelix has it either because he's got the same gash. And uh, Hey, uh, like your mom should really one star review that book, by the way. <laughs> Did not work as advertised. <laughs> Extremely disappointed with the efficacy of product. Mabus has loaf that looks like the Houston Texans helmet logo. <laughs> I could not get over how much it looked like a bull, like a bull yeah. with horns. I wondered if it was meant to somewhat evoke Kazon, like if they're supposed to be like, maybe like branched from a similar part of the evolutionary tree on their planet. I, th I tried to cop that later when they're all in the room together and they just didn't, it didn't look that it, way to me. Yeah. They don't have that like keloid looking head ridge that the Kazons yeah. have. So it's hard to, t hard to, hard to tell, but Mabus yeah, so tells Neelix that their situation is desperate enough to where like, we kind of need your help. They keep on killing us down here and we yeah. want to escape. Are you in? <laughs> it's not a very well-guarded prison, and Mabus has good news that there, like, is probably help coming. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, this it's... I looked down at the, like, playhead on this episode at this point, and I was like, man, this, uh, this episode is just going so badly for the Voyager crew. Both alliances that they tried to strike are complete strikeout. Yeah. Their ship is totally shredded. 
Now Neelix is in prison with these guys. This is a real disaster. This whole situation is a disaster. There is such interesting stuff happening at the end of this episode. I just want to take a slider and pull the end parts further into the middle. Yeah, because it takes them so long to get to it. Well, this is one of those parts I feel like could use a little bit more bulk because I never felt in danger in the caves with Mabus and Neelix. And I think we just needed to see someone executed or there needed to be blood and hair on the walls or something because I just never felt threatened down here. And and yeah. by the time we get to the prison escape, like so much of that happens off screen that uh, I don't know. We needed something else there to heighten the if tension. I if a Kazan had come in and like made Neelix fight one of the other guys to the death for yeah. his amusement or whatever. Your day. That's like Star Trek law. Yeah. Voyager can't pick up Neelix at their designated meeting place. And because they know Neelix, they're like, all right, I guess we're going to wait the commensurate two hours that yeah. <laughs> that one tends to wait for Neelix to show up or do anything or whatever. It- and Harry Kim is just uh, back at his station, like looking at his watch, like thinking about the 75 years they still have of travel and is like, two hours, really? <laughs> Come on. God, you know, it's uh, it's like compounding interest, right? Like all these two hour increments really add up. <laughs> He's like, I know we have the Delaney sisters here, but back in the Alpha Quadrant, we've got the Dura sisters. I've got work to do, Captain. We use this two hours for conflict, though, because when we cut over to engineering, Hogan has hit up BLT for news about how the Seska meeting went. And BLT is like, stop trying to make Seska happen. It's not going to happen. (laughs) Chill the fuck out. And it's a conflict between them that doesn't end cleanly. You get the sense that Hogan is stewing on this. and, And BLT is unhappy for having had to answer for it. She doesn't like to answer these questions, and she doesn't like the stank that Hogan puts on the word captain when he says it is incredibly disdainful. Or do you agree with our captain that holding onto our technology is worth dying for? Nor does Jonas, who has overheard the argument, and what I like about this scene the most, maybe, is the math of it, right? There's one BLT, but now there is a growing number of unhappy engineers working around her and that is a level of threat that feels greater than what's happening in the caves right now yeah and i think jonas does a great job of just doing this all with his face like you really you can really feel what he's going through and even sympathize with him to a certain extent right because of what he is overhearing back on sobra mabus really tries to make us believe that things are dangerous down there by like (laughs) describing it as a suicide mission. And this prison escape is accomplished primarily off screen. We see one guard, but what we do is we hear things happening around the corner, phaser blasts and such. And then we see like a little dog toy ball explode at the one guard's feet that we meet. And then, uh, and then they're out of there. It feels extremely low stakes. It really does. And I think that one thing that would have made this better if is if Neelix had felt at all consequential in the escape. Like if he right. had judo chopped one of the guards. Or if he had to do something uncomfortable related to his own sense of morality. Like right. anything. Neelix Dufresne, who crawled through a river of crabe and Kazan shit, came out smelling clean on the other side. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. The Voyager is like sick of waiting and they head to the planet that Neelix was supposed to go to. 
And instead of Neelix, they find an armada of Kazon ships. This is really freaky. No one expects the Kazon armada. (laughs) (laughs) And no one expects to see Neelix and Mabus on screen when they FaceTime them. These these aren't Kazon ships that they're confronted with. They've been trabed the whole time. They've been trabed the entire time, and it turns out that all of those Kazon ships are actually stolen trabe ships. Everything that the Kazon have, they stole from the trabe, according to Neelix. But then we get a little explanation from Mabus that gives a little bit of a complicating spin on that story, which is that the trabe were the kind of supremacist species that subjugated the Kazon. They were essentially enslaved by the Trabe. So it's not so much that they stole that stuff, is that they probably built all those ships themselves and were not compensated for them. Yikes is all I can say about this scene. And double yikes later on when when Janeway's like, I think these are the types of people that we can work with on an alliance. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he puts on a good show of feeling bad about it. Like he is- It is right to feel bad for enslaving a people. Yeah, He's not like the defensive right-wing freak that's like, who cares what happened in Tulsa? That didn't happen during my lifetime. Why should I, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, Mabus does not want to teach critical Kazon theory in schools. <laughs> were they to find a planet to settle? And yeah. I just uh, I just don't know if I agree about that. That seems like some historical erasure. His primary goal is finding a world to settle. Like, he's like, telling this sob story of like, yeah, we did this like slavery thing and then they threw off the shackles and now we're the alien trash of the galaxy. Look at us. The trash is on the other foot now. (laughs) And yeah, like they're looking for their forever home. They want to settle down on a planet and every time they try and put down roots somewhere, Kazon come, you know, blow their shit up and force them to flee. And so they're like scattered and in disarray and have no stability. And he says like, listen, like we've got an armada here. We can help you and you can help us. I think this is a moment and an episode that depends on casting this character, the Mabus character, because Mm -hmm. the performance here makes me a believer. Like, Mabus and his people did horrible things, but the way he is with Janeway reminded me so much of Riker's dad in the sense that he was so casual with Janeway and willing to listen and tell and be a diplomat and be self-aware about his own mistakes and whatever. Like It felt like Mabus was seducing Janeway. And I mean, it turns out in his own way he was. But his seduction of her diplomatically is really well done. I totally agree. And like the way you get to Janeway's heart is say that like what we want is is peace and stability overall. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of gets her off the hook with her, my Starfleet morals preclude this Mm -hmm. issue, which is that if they come to this negotiating tables almost as like the brokers of peace between the Trabe and the Kazan, then it's Starfleet doing Starfleet shit and not the Voyager unfairly rebalancing the power in the Delta Quadrant to make their lives slightly easier. Right. So Jonas wasn't just eavesdropping on engineering and stewing about what he heard. He's now making moves. He's put a couple of quarters 
in the phone booth and has mm-hmm. made a private call to Seska's personal secretary. And this guy, I love this guy. He's like, uh, I really don't get at this point the relative value of of what you're offering here, but I'll go ahead and give Seska your message. Why don't you call back tomorrow? <laughs> Which I love. I love the idea of Jonas going off on this limb and not getting satisfaction right away. Like, yeah, that's that's dangerous stuff right there. He's out on his limb. He's really got to be tossing and turning in his bunk bed yeah. that night, right? Will you let me talk to Seska? Not without some proof you can be trusted. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting scene. Like it also, it happens right on the heels of like at the end of the previous scene, we feel like pretty optimistic. Like, oh, maybe there is actually a way for the Voyager to be safe in the D-Quad and even do some good. But this guy doesn't know anything about that. He's already made his mind up. So in Six Bay, the Traber being patched up and healed from their time in captivity and... Afterward, Mabus and and Captain Janeway talk about an alliance. He's game, but uh, he wants to involve all Kazon everywhere as a part yeah. of the negotiation. Yeah. So what the, like like what they are going to ask for is basically a home world for the Trabe that the Kazon will leave be. On paper, this is like catnip to Janeway. She's like, oh, like this isn't just an alliance. This is a, this is a chance for peace among yeah. all these assholes. Why not try for it? Right. And if it's not a flawless, lasting piece that will at least give stability to the Quadrant for a while. Think of all you could do with 18 months of clean streets. That stability could be infectious. You know, it could be like something that they don't want to give up at the end of a brief experience with it. So there's a, there's a lot uh, a lot going for this idea. There's coffee in our alliance. But uh, we got we to gotta remember we've got two mustache twirling villains in play here and and so we go to Kala's ship where he is in the conniving room with Seska. You let Voyager slip away right into the hands of the Trabe. They had an opportunity to be the first people at the table before and now they realize they've blown it. I could not let the negotiations be dictated by that woman. I love this moment because like you can't have a plan for universal peace and not have invited Kala and Seska to the table. Yeah. And they're and they're pissed off about their mistakes up until now, and now they're pissed off about maybe not being invited to this party. Yeah, and they're pissed off at each other. Like, like Seska thinks that the whole crew exchange program that Kala was suggesting was like absolutely idiotic. Kala's like, "Look, uh, you're pregnant. Maybe you should just stay home." I mean. If if we go to this party together, I'll just be doting on you the whole time. It, it won't be fun for either of us. Like, I'll yeah. just go by myself. I'll socialize with all of our friends and coworkers. It's probably better this way, right? Yeah. And Seska's like, fuck that. We're both going to go. <laughs> and in so doing, we will assess the Trabe's weaknesses in order to destroy them. Yeah. Kola seems pretty sad, but Seska is always like seeing the opportunity in every in every twist. Yeah. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. They have to decide on a site to have this conference. Kittimer is really far away, mm-hmm. so they're gonna they're gonna do it somewhere else. I'm pretty sure that they must have shot a pot full of mashed potatoes at some point in here because there are so many story beats taken from Undiscovered Country at this point. Yeah, it's really true. There's a wobbly triangular table in there that seems a little <laughs> suspicious. Pay no attention to the wobbly table, says Tursa, who is 
unusually interested in all things triangular table in this scene. Yeah. It, it really, it's very distracting. So everybody comes in, this is happening on Sobras, and they <laughs> they have all the the Majas from the different Kazan sects come in like they're fucking candidates in a Republican primary debate. <laughs> I love the drama of the entrances. Yeah. I think it's fun. I think it's fun too, but it's very, it's even more fun to think about the ante room that they were all waiting around in together. Yeah. And like, and like the, the busybody with the, with the headset and the, and the clipboard that was like, okay, now Maj, you're going in. And then Maj too, you're going in. I've been wanting a scene like this for a while that lines them all up. Show me all the Kazon so I can get their differences. And I got to tell you, Ben, mm-hmm. I am, I am Kazon Oglomar. Big time. Yeah. All those colors, really, really vibrancy to the patterns and tones there. Yeah. Guy's got a lot of drip on him. Uh, Do the Kazan Ogla and the Kazan Ogla Mar, is is the Ogla Mar like a merger of the Ogla and the Mar? What happened there? Did I I miss something? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that they are the best dressed Kazan at this meeting. And I think that counts for something. In the lead up to this meeting, they've discussed that like there may be a Kazon element that is is there to like trick everyone else and they're like okay like if this meeting is sabotage somebody's gonna want to leave and that'll be like we'll know that that's the that's the bad guy and as they start to get down to the diplomacy it turns out that it's actually Mabus that is the tricksy one yeah. he's the one that was uh setting everyone up and Janeway like has enough time to warn everyone to get down <laughs> And uh, and so they 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 beam out of there with uh, with the Trabe delegation, but uh, all of the Kazon are are stuck in this room as a as a ship like comes and hovers in front of the windows and just shoots it up, which I feel like happened in like the sequel to Star Trek two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, this is a very uh, Abrams esque kind of scene here. My favorite shot uh, of the whole episode was when the crew is being beamed away. And Mabus is smiling while beaming, like gleefully. <laughs> I love beaming. At what he's created here. I really like that. The uh, Voyager loses three more torpedoes in this scene. Yeah. It shoots them from orbit at this ship, which has really good shields and is not destroyed. I believe that one of those torpedoes contained Bandera, though. Mm. <laughs> that wasn't one of the ones that they can't replicate. I don't know, man. Like, I, I think that's probably how I want to go out. Like, I want to be, like, cremated or aquamated or something. Talking a lot about mm. my death this episode. This is your last rule and testament, if I'm not mistaken. But I think that's just a responsible way to deal with your remains. You know, like, use me in the torpedo. Don't just shoot mm-hmm. me out into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was once a torpedo, and to torpedo I shall return. <laughs> no casualties <laughs> to speak of in this uh, craven attack by the Trabe on the Kazon. And when they get back to the Voyager, Mabus is just crowing about how successful this was. This is like, he's like, this is great. This is, uh, we're going to have peace finally. And they're pretty pissed off at him. Couple of times so far in the series, Janeway gets pissed. Yeah. And this is maybe as pissed as she's ever been. She was pissed at those organ harvesters big time. Also in the transporter room, right? I feel like the transporter yeah. room is really when she lets it out. 
Well, it's got all those foamy sound panels on the walls, so she can really like bark at someone without it disturbing the rest of the ship. And look at the blocking here. I think this is so interesting that we're shooting down at Janeway in this scene, and usually that is a composition that suggests weakness. But we get we get Janeway looking up at this guy on the pad and tearing into him. I think that's a very interesting uh, choice there. It's an unusual choice for that moment. It is an unusual choice, and nothing about that shot suggests weakness to me. Yeah. Despite its, like, common usage for that. Yeah. Like, she totally overpowers whatever subconscious influence that has on a shot. And kicks him off the ship. She calls him an executioner and says, we're not going to deal with people like you. And he's like, how are you going to survive out here all by yourselves now that you have another enemy? (laughs) And And you're uh, down one torpedo. Yeah. And they're like, we just got to get the get the f out of here as fast as possible. And uh, we end the button on the episode. Another McLaughlin group, Adam. Issue four. It's funny, like as strong as a case as we were making for Janeway in the previous scene. I don't feel like this is a strong Janeway episode. And this is a scene that I think supports my theory. There, she makes the case for just greater vigilance going forward. And then does that thing that I think poor leaders do, which is like, I think we all learned something here. And that I was right the whole time. (laughs) She, in her description of Federation values, comes off as a very, the best healthcare plan is the Bible kind of person. And I didn't think she supported her position very well here at all. I we're like we're made to to ride for her because of how emphatic she is and how believing everyone is at the table but as a viewer I didn't buy it did you she takes the packaging off of the candy bar and looks down at it and says federation ideals you're my only friend <laughs> and then she takes a big bite <laughs> yeah no i mean like i you may be have a point about the way she delivers her message here, but I think that this is a conclusion that is well taken. The ideals that prevent them from dealing with an individual Kazon sect are that it would upset the balance of power in the quadrant. It smacks of meddling. It smacks of colonialism in a way that, you know, maybe in the short term advantageous, but is disadvantageous in the long term. And I think that the Trabe are a people who seem to be like primarily focused on short-term benefit at the expense of their long-term safety and stability. Like the Trabe are an object lesson in what having no principles or bad principles will buy you. Sure, in but the Delta Quadrant. But Ben, they're a specific lesson, and what Janeway is saying here is that alliances are bad. Because it failed this one time, and I can't get with that at all. I think she's saying alliances with the Kazon in a context that would betray what we stand for are bad. Yeah. And that's that's what I took from it. But I think in the in the way that was described earlier, I think you gotta tease out this scene a little more and maybe give it some of the conflict that they seen earlier with Kim and Chakotay talking about maybe reaching out to Seska was so full of yeah. like get more voices involved in this moment the speechifying of it i just didn't like how it felt i did like that it ended on a shot of harry kim just like like pumping his fist like oh yeah 
Yeah. Back in business. <laughs> well, did you like the episode overall, Adam? A lot of interesting things happen, and I thought Mabus was a good bad guy. I yeah. like I appreciated how he was constructed as a character. But this is a very sanctimonious Star Trek episode in a way <laughs> that like it's an episode that wants you to agree with Janeway and assumes that you just will. But it doesn't take the time to underpin her case with as much force as it instead creates chaos around it. Like yeah. Like the things that happened circumstantially on this mission weren't strong enough to make the case that Janeway makes at the end in that conference room. And that's why, that's why like in the end, I did not like how this episode ended. And I think it kind of tarnished the vibe of, of the rest of the ep. Lots of good parts in it. Lots of interesting things happening. The Kazon yeah. parts may be the most interesting of all, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like not a good look for Janeway. What about you, Ben? I mean, I think that it worked a little bit better for me than it worked for you, but um, I do agree that with your point that if this episode had been written a little bit stronger toward Janeway arguing her point in a little bit more of a lawyer Picard kind of way, yes, it would have been more satisfying. Yeah. That said, I thought it was a great episode. It's it's a very unusual kind of conflict that that it sets up at the beginning, like we are in existential danger and our strategy for stopping it is going and trying to make friends <laughs> and like by the halfway point that has backfired so spectacularly it just really does a great job of making them feel alone and isolated yeah in the delta quadrant and their efforts in doing that are are starting to really work i'm really pleased with how season two is going especially compared to season one which just felt like every third episode was a nebula that wanted to chomp on the ship you know <laughs> that's something that i can really agree with season two <laughs> much better than season one yeah i don't think anything could ruin season two that's what i'm saying wow okay you know there's a lot of hits in our priority one inbox typically do you want to see if anything can ruin our priority one inbox oh geez I, i'm going right over there now priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income Supplemental. 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 Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship. Our first P1 is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. In season six, Captain Picard fell in love with a stellar cartographer. It's reassuring to know that cartographers like me still have jobs in the 24th century, and that we're apparently sexy enough to hook up with Captain Picard in a Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> If you want some sexy cartography of your own, go to wallacecartography.com. Whether you're a historian that needs a map of silver mines in colonial Peru, sexy. or a geography nerd who wants a nice map to hang on the wall, sexy. I've got you covered. Discounts for FODs. Wow. Amazing. So check out wallacecartography.com. W-A-L-L-A-C-E cartography.com for professional map making and, and cartography. Adam, did you know that my grandfather was a cartographer of some renown? I did not. Yeah. I just sort of uh, zone out when you talk about your family. 
<laughs> he designed the map that became the logo for the United Nations. No way. Yeah. Boy, he must have been a very rich person. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was kind of stolen from him from, as far as I can tell. Weird, interesting history about how that how that actually happened. But um, WallaceCartography.com, check it out. Some really beautiful stuff here. Ben, our second priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from Bridget, and it is to the LGBT friends of DeSoto. And the message goes like this. In 2009, I was pre-transition horribly depressed and in my university room watching Voyager to get through the day. I watched an episode for the first time in years for episode one of the new season of this pod, and it reminded me how far I have come. Just know, LGBT Friends of DeSoto, it does, in fact, get better. Hell yeah, Bridget. Yeah. We're really glad to hear that you're much happier now uh, having transitioned. That's really great. Yeah. Congratulations, and uh, I don't know anyone who hasn't had terrible, terrible days in their university dorm room watching Star Trek to feel better. <laughs> that is... <laughs> That's a real mood. Yeah. <laughs> You're among friends here, Bridget. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Our final P1 today is from Rob, and it's to Meg. It goes like this. I know you always ask not to get gifts on your birthday, but you know I love giving them. I hope this is an acceptable compromise. I have no idea when you'll listen to this, but happy birthday anyway. Let's have some Kinar to celebrate. Nice. Nice job, Rob. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Meg's birthday is in the first week of May, so this is a belated birthday gift. But uh, it's always fun to celebrate someone that you love with some canar, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and a P1, the best gift to get someone who does not want a gift. True. Absolutely. It's a gift for us and them. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'd like to get that gift, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. And uh, you can set it up there. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, everyone. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! The reveal about Mabus is like John Doe at the end of Seven. <laughs> like, he had the upper hand the whole time. And we didn't know it. And yeah. he was so gleeful at the end when he beamed away. I can't get that picture of his face out of my mind. Like, very few people smile while beaming. And it <laughs> struck me in that scene just how unusual it was to see him do that. It yeah, drew my yeah. eye entirely. And I think that's because they knew when they put that scene together that it would draw your eye because they're very far away from camera. Yeah, it's maybe the most outre villain thing that he does in the episode because the rest of it is that like... yeah. Like, listen, we just want we just want a like reasonable blah blah blah, and he's really pulling strings to like do a terrible thing the entire time. I thought that was a strong moment for a very interesting character who I hope comes back. I hope this is not the end of Mabus. Yeah, because kind of uh, a crappy I, name for that character. I feel like <laughs> I don't like the name. You're right, but he got his balls just fucking kicked in in the transporter room, and I'm <laughs> I'm wondering if he comes back for more. So he's going to be my drunk Shimoda for that. What about you? My drunk Shimoda is anyone who goes to a strip club and faces away from the stage <laughs> to work on a puzzle. <laughs> oh yeah, so Tursa, the guy playing the sex puzzle, is yeah. your Shimoda. Sex puzzle Terse. Well, uh, all sex is a puzzle to me. 
So <laughs> I get it. Adam, our next episode is season two, episode 15, Threshold. Paris makes history by becoming the first person across the transwarp threshold, but could pay for the achievement with his life. This is a famous episode. I've even heard of this episode. episode. This is where they turn into salamanders. (laughs) I cannot. I boy. Salamander alert. Boy, do I have salamander eggs on my face after saying season two was uh, impossibly great. (laughs) <laughs> and would and would never get bad. Isn't this one of the worst episodes of Voyager or or Star Trek ever? How dare you? <laughs> you you remember liking this episode? Is that what it is? Uh, I don't know. I just don't want to prejudge it. I want to I want to go in and enjoy the episode and then see how we feel after having watched. That's it the out. rule. That's the the top line rule of Greatest Gen. Fine. Right below the top line rule of Greatest Gen is that we we throw. Caution to the wind at the end of every episode. We we roll dice to find out how we will be doing the next episode by going to gach.biz slash game and playing the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. We don't recline our seats and we roll dice at the game of buttholes, Ben. Yeah. Uh, our runabout is currently on square 23. There is a banger right in front of us, and yeah. it looks like we could also hit a Naked Now bathtub episode on our next, if uh, if I don't roll true. Jesus. I can't believe so, we're in uh, danger of bathtub. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. We could, we could hit bathtub, Adam. So I'm going to roll it. Here I go. All right. Oh my god, I hit the banger. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Oh no. I hit the banger and we are now on square 19. Going back. Knocked us back. All right. That rarely happens. It feels like when we uh, hit something crazy, it, it shoots us way up the board. Yeah, that's typically what goes down. Wow, so wow. square 19 is where we're at. Big step back for us. Big step back. Well, um... We want to say thank you to everyone who helps us take a big step forward by going to MaximumFun.org slash join and supporting the show on a monthly basis. We also really appreciate everyone who just listens and enjoys and tells a friend or loved one about the show. Uh, your recommendations have really helped the show grow. Like I think the show has grown a lot in the last year. Yeah, and, I think so too. Uh, we really appreciate everyone who's put the word out about it. I hung out with my wife's sister over the weekend, and she mentioned that she does not listen to the show, but she <laughs> downloads and subscribes it and has also hey. rated it. And I thought that was just the nicest, coolest thing. So that's that's how she supports the show, and you can do the same. That's really sweet. Please thank her on my behalf. Yeah, she doesn't even listen to the show and she does that. If you're a listener of the show and you haven't uh, rated or reviewed, that stuff really helps. We got to thank Bill Tilly, our card daddy and the uh, social media director of Uxbridge Shimoda. Today's episode coming at the end of August. We gave Bill the month of August off because uh, he has been just putting in so much work and uh, it seemed like he could use a little break, uh, but he's still getting paid and uh, that is due to the largesse of the Friends of DeSoto. We really appreciate Bill, and we're excited that he's going to be back in the driver's seat on the At Greatest Trek Twitter and Instagram accounts starting in September. Yeah, psyched about that. Back on the scene is the Bill Tilly. Mm-hmm. The music you're hearing right now has been uh, created by Dark Materia. 
who gave us a, just a free pass to use it for anything. Yeah. Dark Materia is great. Uh, also great, Adam Ragusia, who constructed the theme and interstitial music for all of The Greatest Generation. Really appreciate it. The Goose has a great cooking channel on YouTube that you can check out by searching Adam Ragusia. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that is much faster than any episode previous. <laughs> Playing oh, this, it at 10x speed. This will be an easy edit then, huh? Yeah. The scientists didn't think it could be done, but we're going to do it. Wow. You know what? I could go for a shorter edit, uh, no matter what <laughs> the cost to my personal health. <laughs> <laughs> Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.